This is Amateur Logic, episode 87 for February 15th, 2016. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Discover D Star this season. Hi, good evening. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George, and to my right here is uh, one of our co-hosts. Tommy. And Tommy, you look a little flat tonight. What is going yeah, on? I am. I'm, uh, I'm over here in isolation. I ended up picking up a, the flu while I was gone, and uh, so I decided not to come over there and share that with you. And we all really appreciate that, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Well, we've got the virus scanner on the computer here, so I should be safe. I hope so. I yeah. need to start. My, I should have had mine going. <laughs> also, we've got um, from down under our usual suspect, Peter. Say hello, Peter. G'day. G'day, George. G'day, Tommy. Uh, g'day, uh, Emil, who you'll see in a moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, sorry to hear Tommy uh, is not feeling the best, but um, hopefully you'll be on the mend pretty soon. Oh, yeah, I'm sure in a few days I'll be good as new. Okay, and also from not down under, but um, I'm not sure what do we call that down there, Tommy? Where email is? Uh, it's, uh, well, I don't know. It is down there, but yeah, not as far as it's Peter. It's like another country sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> say hello, email. All right, everybody, hello. Um, we call it the Big Easy. The Big, the big easy. easy. So happy Mardi Gras from the Big Easy, which is all over for us. But uh, I do have my uh, flu filters turned on on my network connection, so I hope not to catch what Tommy has. So uh, we'll we'll work from there. Okay, good deal. Well, we've got a um, – it's going to be a bumpy ride, so put your seatbelts on. We're working through a few technical issues tonight. Uh, probably the first one is – that um, Tommy's got the flu, but no problem. We've got him right here. And uh, thanks to the miracle of the Internet, and we're using Google Hangouts this week, so if there is an issue, we can blame it on Google. There you go. Uh, also, another hiccup is, um, well, our web server is down. Those of you trying to watch us live, uh, sorry, live.amateurlogic.tv is not working right now. What? What happened over there, Tommy? It's just a temporary thing, but yeah, they're working on it right now. They they moved us. Our sites got so big they had to move us to a larger server. And when they flipped the switch and turned the old one off, apparently they didn't have the DNS records pointed right. So it it pretty much killed our site. But uh, I just got an email from them, and they're working on it right now. So hopefully it'll be back up pretty fast. Okay. Yeah, I hope it is. Maybe uh, before the show's out, we just don't know. You know, usually it's a very reliable service, but uh, when something goes wrong, it goes pretty wrong. 
Um, oh, yeah, no doubt. They're usually pretty responsive. I, I suspect probably by the time the show's over, I would bet it'll be back up. Uh, let's hope so. In the meantime, those who are with us live, we are uh, glad you found us. Uh, I guess we probably po- I didn't do it. I was <laughs> uh, trying to drain the swamp here before the alligator showed up. Uh, but uh, I guess we posted on Facebook and uh, maybe Google Plus and Twitter and around. Twitter. Well, Peter, you may recognize this. This is the J-Car catalog. It's uh, J-Car Electronic. By the way, they, these came from, do you remember who they came from, Tommy? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, Greg. Greg um, McCulkin, VK2TEQ. Yeah. He, he sent us these for Christmas. We were slow getting them because of some... Uh, Shipping issues, but he said enclosed are two copies each of the J-Car and also this one right here, Altronics catalogs. Um, thought with the issues with Radio Shack that um, you might find it interesting reading. Uh, J-Car has almost everything, including uh, restockets. That's what, you yeah. know, restockists. I think that's right. I, I don't speak Australian very well. <laughs> Uh, also, Altronics, which is uh, Perth-based, uh, has one outlet in Perth, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. So Peter has access to both of these resources here. He doesn't have to order from the catalog. Uh, and he said, a Christmas thank you to the entire Amateur Logic team and now for Ham College. The shows are greatly appreciated. I watch mine on the big screen. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a prosperous 2016. Uh, thanks, Greg. Uh, you know, I've I've looked in these, Tommy. What have you had a chance to look in yours yet? Oh yeah, I sure have. They're pretty neat. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, and uh, I, I want to thank Greg for sending those. I know he oh, yeah. went through a lot of trouble to get them here. He they uh, kind of went around the world twice, I think, before they actually landed I mean, here. But, the, uh, Especially this uh, J Car. This is really a super nice catalog, man. It's just got just about everything a fella could want in here. Gee. And George, yeah, with the exchange rate at the moment, right? Your American dollar is worth about a dollar thirty Australian. Wow. So whatever you buy in there, you're going to get extra value because of your purchasing power at the moment. So maybe enough to cover the shipping. Absolutely. Oh, that would be great. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. You know, I, I really have not had a chance to go through these uh, with a fine-tooth comb like I, I generally like to, but, man, great, great stuff. And I guess both of these places have good websites, too. Alltronics.com.au for this one, and, of course, uh, jcar.com.au for the jcar catalog. And you no, might, it's transparent, too. That's what I was going to say. It's transparent here on the bottom. So uh, I can't quite see through it, but if I get it down here just right, you know. Yeah. There you go. Cool stuff. Uh, thanks cool. Thanks for that, Greg. We're, we're going to really enjoy these. And we're also going to be a little envious at the same time. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's get on into an email here. I think, Peter, you probably have the first one for us tonight. Absolutely, George. I've got an email from Art N0 Mike Hotel Oscar, and he and his wife Connie N0 Uniform Whiskey Kilo, they're going to take a vacation to Australia, New Zealand and Fiji early next year, and they ask what repeaters are near Cairns and Sydney. 
Uh, and they also mentioned that um, they're not unfortunately going to get down to Melbourne. Well, first up, I'll start with the um, uh, the repeaters. If you go to the WIA website, and George will put up a, a link uh, for, for your benefit there, um, we've got a full listing of all uh, repeaters in Australia. So uh, if you go there, uh, you'll get all the information that you need if you're visiting in this part of the world. As to the bit about not coming to Melbourne, in all honesty, that's a bit of a mistake. Um, look, Sydney's good. It's got a harbour. It's got a nice bridge. And uh, it's got the Sydney Opera House. And, of course, um, Cairns has got some nice weather up there. But Melbourne um, is a fantastic city, absolutely. And if you are ever going to do any kind of trip to Australia, you must go to Melbourne because um, look at it this way. Uh, Melbourne has got culture, architecture, style, um, the best sporting venues in Australia. Um, uh, As I say, it's cultured, it's intellectual, it's beautiful. And then Sydney is something else. (laughs) <laughs> but they don't have ball peanuts is that correct no no ball peanuts the other thing though and this is the absolute best thing about coming to melbourne is you can get just about any cuisine any cuisine in the world at all our mum, sort of mother and father restaurants that we have here they're run by just little small businesses not chain stores email you didn't make it up here to the uh, jackson ham fest that tommy and i were at no i did not get to make it today I, I did have to work i had a, took a business trip over to beaumont texas and i missed it so uh how was it did you guys have a good time was it a good ham fest i i did not make it you're right yeah i had a pretty good time i i think uh you did too didn't you tommy oh yeah it's always a good ham fest it was, it was fun i i actually probably didn't buy very much this time probably less i've bought at a ham fest in quite a while but uh just didn't really need anything this time. Yeah, I didn't even feel two fifty nines. I didn't need much, but I I did pick up a few things, and uh, you know we didn't get any video there this year. We've we've done it uh, so many years in the past that um, we, we just didn't even get the cameras out. We just pretended to be hams this time around. Had a great time. Oh yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was it was nice not to to work one for a change. Um, yeah. Although, you know, when we work it, it's still fun, yeah. but you kind of miss out on a lot of the experience doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good, good, good change of pace for me. Um, email, you did go to a ham fest, though, didn't you? I did. I did. I, I got to go to the um, ham and ham fest here in um, Louisiana, um, about uh, uh, maybe 40 miles west of me. Um still on the north side of Lake Pontchartrain, right off of I-10. So that was a nice ham fest, and uh, that's one of the uh, video segments that I uh, uploaded to took a little stroll around the ham fest.
That looks great there, Emma. It looks like y'all were having just a little bit too much fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We got to see Don over there from uh, Amateur Radio Newsline, as y'all always know him as, or uh, Twit from Twit TV. And uh, it's always good to see him. Uh, I also got to see him uh, in one of the Skywarn recognition days. He was operating the station at our uh, local National Weather Service um, right after I was, so we got to cross paths there. So it's good to see Don around, and uh, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Oh, yeah. looked like a lot of fun. That's a little bigger ham fest than I thought it was. Yeah, it's a nice ham fest. I used to go down to that one. Uh, I haven't been in years, but it used to be in a place almost like the Coliseum where you go around. Uh, how long has it been gone from there, Emil? Um, you know what? I think this is – I think last year it was where you – um, are talking about this is the first year I've seen it in the student activity center at SELU's campus. So they have been where you uh, just described in the past. Oh, cool. I'll have to put that on my list and go check it out sometime. Yeah. So what did you buy? I mean, with all that good stuff, I noticed, you know, some of it you said was calm compliant, and that's that's cheap old man for the uh, uninitiated there. But what did you buy, Emil? I know you bound to found something cheap there. Um, well, this time I was so cheap from what <laughs> happened during Christmas time, I did not get to buy anything. So it was more of a trip to let uh, some others see what's going on out that way. <laughs> so I did not pick up anything. Oh, I mean, Tommy, how can you top that for cheapness? Well, that's kind of what you did, isn't it? That's the ultimate cheapness. Yeah, um, I, I gave you a run for your, <laughs> I was going to say you run for your money, but a run for keeping money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thanks email that that was a, a great uh, video clip and little uh insight into the ham and ham fast there we're going to have something else uh, from email in a little bit here but uh anything else you want to say about it before we move on no 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 oh no that that was um that was it the pretty uh like i said a good time and a good group of people over there lots of people show up for that one and uh, you can hear it on the radio all the way to and from. So, good stuff. Yeah, and your cameraman there, John Britton. We we see him every year up here at uh, the Jackson Ham Fest, and he was here this year. Oh yeah, John is a great guy. John, he's uh, he's one of the uh, local D Star registrars over here. So when I uh, first got into that, he uh, hooked me up and registered my uh, call in the gateways networks and stuff. So he was just so happened to be there and was an impromptu. Uh, cameraman for me so we go way back we used to work together and uh still meet each other up at all these ham fests okay and with with his job i guess he would understand the business end of a camera absolutely absolutely yeah he that between that and the uh computers and it work he's got it uh cornered cool all right well i've got an email here that uh, this came from tommy hansen in norway and uh, he said, hi, Thomas, but he was talking to me, not Tommy. Uh, my name is Tommy, and I'm from Norway. I just want to say uh, thanks for this program, Ham College and Amateur Logic. Uh, he said, I got my license LB2EH, so I want to thank you uh, for what you've taught me uh, a lot over the years. Love your show, and I'll see you on the next one. Uh, say hi to Tommy, Peter, and email for me. So, hi, guys. Hi, Tommy. Yeah, great. You know, 
we, we're hearing more and more from uh, people in the Scandinavian countries that, you know, are watching the show. That's great. Yeah, I, I've been getting some emails and things from, uh, and actually Facebook requests from a lot of hams from uh, all over the world lately. For some reason, it seems like maybe a lot of them just heard about us or something. But um, anyway, I've probably had maybe probably 15 to 20 of them in the last couple of weeks. Cool. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. them. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. <laughs> and it is still young. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, Tommy, what are you going to... Well, just set it up for us. What do you got tonight? Well, last month we went through and got my IC7100 to work with my Mac that you like to give me a hard time about. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got FL Rig working and... Uh, Kind of got the rest of it going. I got FL Digi working and got my digital station on the air. Just like we mentioned last month, this time we're going to continue on after our FL rig install. We're going to go ahead and install FL Digi on my iMac here and get my digital station going once and for all. Some of the steps that we needed to accomplish we did last month. We got FL rig working. You're going to need to have that that going before you attempt this part. We downloaded FLDG, as you saw in the last segment that I did. So we're just going to go ahead and install it. Uh, you can get the software from the link right here uh, if you don't already have it. But I already did download it, and it's in my uh, downloads folder. So let's go ahead and dig in. We've already got it, and it's right here, FLDG. And there's our FL rig. And I did double-check to make sure that I had the latest version since... Uh, the author puts out fairly frequent updates on it. You always want to make sure you have the latest and greatest. So we'll go ahead and open it. It mounted to the file system just like before. And we'll go ahead and bring this up. I'll just drag it over into my applications folder. And it's that easy. I'll go ahead. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to go ahead and do it also. Okay, so let's go to applications. We don't need this anymore. FL Digi. And again, it's from an unknown author. So let's go ahead and open it. Now we're presented with the configuration wizard. So I'll go ahead and run through that. Next. 
and put in my call sign. And I'm in Madison, Mississippi, and my locator. Well, I should, every good ham should know his grid locator. I, <laughs> I don't remember it. I have it written down, but I'm going to show you how to get to it easily. We'll go to qrz.com and go to your page. Oops, that's not what I wanted. And go to your page. And if you go to details, it takes your address from your ticket and it calculates your grid locator right there. And I'll just copy that to the clipboard. And we'll paste it right here. And my antenna is a homebrew OCF. There. Next. Okay, now we need to pick our audio device. I've got my rig hooked up like before, the USB port to the USB port on my computer. So I have that same audio and I'm going to go ahead and pick the capture device. It's going to be the USB audio codec and the playback is the USB audio codec. Now, just to be clear, I haven't done this before. I, I ran this just to see that it ran and then I took it off the computer and I never did get through the whole configuration because I wanted to do it on the camera. So we're doing this together. So if there are mistakes, you'll see them as well. So we did that. Uh, let's just look at what we've got left. Settings, I'll leave that on auto. And I think we're okay. So let's go ahead and do that. Um, since we're going to use FL rig to key the, the uh, rig like we mentioned last time, we'll go ahead and use this and set it up. But... There are other ways to communicate with the rig. There are RigCat files. I downloaded one for the 7100, but I haven't done anything with it. We'll go ahead and go through what we had planned and get this working. And then at a later date, we may go back and play with alternatives. But I know we're going to use XML RPC to communicate. The 20 meter frequency to use PSK31 is 14070. So I already have it on my rig, as you can see right here. And I'm going to just go ahead and click initialize. And immediately I'm already seeing data on the waterfall of FL Digi right here in the background. But let's go ahead and go through the rest of our setup. I'll go ahead and look through this again since it, the setup ended, but it, it doesn't seem complete. Let's go ahead and look through the rest of it. Uh, I want to set up PSK. Uh, I don't see anything on there that looks like it needs to be custom. The rig is going to use that. Auto start. This is something that we probably want to look at. We want to communicate through FL rig, so we'll click that. FL rig comes up, and we can drag it right here into that box, and it puts the location. And I want to enable that to auto start. So when I run FL Digi, FL Rig should start as well. And let's go ahead and test it. And it came up. And as you can hear, it adjusted the audio on my radio. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it back down. And that's because I have the volume set right here to 26. I'll just turn that all the way down.
eliminate that problem. For PSK31, you don't want to run full power, so I'm going to run about 20 watts, and I've got it set to 19. Well, 19, I can't seem to land on 20, so I'll just leave it on 19, and that's good. The rest of it should be okay. On PSK31, you want a nice, clean audio signal. So audio is more important than power for the most part. You need a nice clean waterfall here like you can see on the screen now. To get that, if you set your rig to 20 watts and you measure the output of your audio at 20 watts with, with uh, full modulation and then adjust your audio down just a tad until the power starts to fall back just a, just a tad, you should be in pretty good shape. Uh, but play around with that. Every rig is different, so I'm, I'm not going to go through all that setup today on that. But no, that's the, the method to do it. And, and there are a lot of schools of thought on it, and I don't, I'm not going to really get into debating that. But anyway, the, the key is to make sure you have good, clean audio. Last time we saw we have a problem with it wanting to flip over to USB or upper sideband digital mode. We actually want that today. So if you flip your rig over into upper sideband digital here, then you'll hear the audio clean up. Some things you can do to adjust your audio is you can go into the rig here and go into set, connectors, and we have control over the USB audio, the USB modulation level and the data modulation level. You can adjust that down if you need to bring it down some, or, or likewise, you can go up a little if you need to. But I'm going to leave mine at 50%. I had to familiarize myself with the software a little bit. It's been a good while since I've used it. I think the last time was that field day, uh, maybe three years ago, back when we were at the church out there. Okay, let's, uh, we're still on 14.070. And let's go ahead and, here's a CQ. Let's see what this guy's saying. As any good ham does, I'm going to watch or listen a little first um, and see. Okay, I see a CQ, CQ, K7. So I found the CQ button. That's pretty nice. Okay, so the caret R is there, and that should take my transmitter out of transmit mode once it gets received. Ah, I got a contact. Minnesota QSO party. That didn't take very long to get a contact. And again, I forgot my grid square locator, so I did a quick look up, and I will put that on a sticky note on my monitor next time. A little rusty on my uh, abbreviations that are used on uh, PSK31, so I'm going to have to work on that as well. Overall, it was pretty fun, though. I'm looking forward to some more of these.
Well, that was fun, and I'm going to play around with some more of this after I get finished with this segment. Still going. Anyway, set yours up. Let me know how you like it. Uh, use it on your Mac. Same setup stuff works for the PC as well, and I'll probably set it up on there sometime. But anyway, that's a lot of fun, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time. 73. That looked almost like... Uh FL Digi on a PC, Tommy. Yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. It looks exactly the same, except it works better on the Mac. I don't think so, man. <laughs> I couldn't see any improvement at all. But that, that was pretty cool, man. You know, that's one thing I really like about the 7100, some of the other Icon rigs. Yeah. Is it had to have no interface. All I did was I dug out my little USB cable out of my drawer here and, and plugged it in, and that's all I had to do, and then set up the software pretty cool how'd you like it yeah it was it was neat and uh, obviously you can tell i'm pretty rusty at the psk stuff i've only actually done it one other time uh, that was when we were out there at church at field day and mm -hmm. uh, i need to kind of brush up on my psk skills but uh, now i'm set up here i can do it yeah i, I like that uh, well first i like it that you've got the possibility to run psk 31 or or actually FL Digi on on uh, another platform like a Mac and I uh, there's a Linux version too I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, Linux is exactly the same. Um Windows, Linux or Mac. So um going to try to build me a Linux box one day and I'm sure I'll set it up on there as well. Who knows, yeah. I may do a video on that too sometime. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to be back in a moment and uh well, we've got a lot more to go yet. So don't go anywhere. With radio gear, it's often important to test your transmitter or linear amplifier into a dummy load. You may need to tune an amplifier on a desired frequency without disturbing others. Maybe you need to verify your transmitter is performing normally or rule out antenna problems. Dummy loads play an invaluable role in a variety of operating and troubleshooting situations. No one offers hams more options in versatile dummy loads than MFJ. Here's just four popular models of the more than one dozen choices available. The economical MFJ-260C is an air-cooled 300-watt load that covers 160 meters through 650 MHz. It's available with either SO239 or Type-N connector. The powerful MFJ-250 VersaLoad is one of the most popular dummy loads ever created for legal limit operation. The one-gallon Cantina-style load has long been a favorite of many because of its high power handling, compact size, and low cost. The MFJ-263 covers DC to 3 GHz with a heavy-duty air-cooled heatsink design. It handles up to 300 watts and has an incredibly low and flat SWR curve across the entire spectrum. The MFJ-267 is two pieces of valuable test equipment in one package. It's a dummy load and SWR wattmeter with a range of DC to 60 MHz and power handling up to 1500 watts. The Precision True Peak Reading Wattmeter not only gives you more accurate measurement of peak transmitter power and easy-to-use SWR cross needles, it can be switched between either the built-in load or your antenna system. Check out MFJ's complete line of dummy loads. There's one that's perfect for you. MFJ. 
the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. Let's get on back into the emails here. I think, email, you have one for us, don't you? I have I have an email email. Yes. <laughs> um, my email email is from uh, John Duncan. He writes to us, Anyone going to the hamcation in Orlando, by some incredible luck, I will be there that weekend on Saturday for a while at least. I'll be representing the Alabama contingent of ALTV. So I, I've never been to that one, uh, George, but I hear it's a real uh, a good one. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, it, there, there are so many ham fests, you can't go to all of them, so you just kind of have to pick and choose what you want to go to. But Orlando, yeah, I think that's one I need to put on the list. Yeah, and maybe he'll... Uh, being our uh, correspondent from Alabama, he'll have to uh, get us some video over there. I hope he will. You know, we we need more correspondents and um, and people representing around the the country and well, really around the world, uh, right, Peter? Oh, for sure, George. Uh, I've long thought that it would be nice to have um, somebody from, say, England or Europe, uh, pop in and uh, give us a segment or uh, or uh, give us a bit of commentary on what happens over that way. What have you got for us this month? I, you know, I haven't even had a chance to watch your video, Peter. I have no idea what it is because we just got it here like minutes before the show started. Well, I, I hope I've rendered it in such a way it'll actually play on your um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, on your equipment. But um, yeah, look, uh, as as you know, last uh, last month we had an introductory look at uh, satellite TV. However, um, after doing the segment, I thought to myself, well, actually, there's a few loose ends. There's a few other little bits and pieces that are, are really uh, just as interesting that uh, warranted uh, a bit more further explanation. So here's Introduction to Satellite Television, Part 2. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Introduction to Satellite Television, Part 2. Last month, we looked at the basics of setting up your own satellite TV receiving station. However, after making the segment, it occurred to me that there were a few loose ends that I hadn't covered, so that's the reason for this month's segment. Let's begin with polarisation. In part one, we learned that there were two types of commonly used polarisation, namely horizontal and vertical, just like in amateur radio. However, in the early days of satellite TV, some satellites used circular polarisation, either left-hand circular or right-hand circular. These polarizations are rare these days, but if you want to receive a circular polarized signal, you'll need to buy a special LNBF. A satellite dish of suitable size will receive all types of polarizations, so you can reuse an existing satellite dish if it's big enough to receive your intended signal. As an experiment, I looked through a number of satellites in the Asian region and noted that a couple of the Russian Express and YAML satellites still used right and left circular polarised transmissions on some transponders. The next loose end concerns the compression standards used. In Part 1, we learned that most transmissions were MPEG-2, otherwise known as DVB, but the industry was gradually transitioning to the MPEG-4 standard, otherwise known as DVB-S2. The greater efficiency of MPEG-4 allows more standard definition channels to be crammed into a single transponder. However, it also allows for the transmission of higher resolution video, 
So if you have a satellite decoder capable of receiving MPEG-4, you may be able to receive some channels in HD. The only change you will need to make to receive HD will be to have a suitable decoder and television. The DISH and LNB will work just fine with all types of signals. So it makes sense to buy a satellite receiver that can receive both MPEG-2 and MPEG-4 signals. However, a new standard has already been developed called HEVC, which stands for High Efficiency Video Coding. This new standard can cram in twice as many TV channels as MPEG-4. It's only a matter of time before satellite TV adopts the new standard. Interestingly, here in Australia, our terrestrial digital TV service uses a form of MPEG-2 called DVB-T. It will be interesting to see whether, over the next few years, transmitters will start transmitting MPEG-4 or whether we will jump a standard and go straight to HEVC. Either way, you can bet that the net result will be twice as many shopping channels. Now for something I didn't talk about in Part 1. In addition to the television signals being broadcast by a satellite, you will often find a stack of radio signals as well. Broadcasters like the BBC World Service, Radio New Zealand, All India Radio and China Radio International can be found on various satellites. However, the sound quality is very good, much better than you can get on shortwave radio. Your satellite TV box will also allow you to receive these signals and you can hear the audio played out through your TV set. On your video remote, you should find a button to switch between TV and radio. If you go to www.linesat.com and look at the satellite TV listings, you will see that for every sat TV channel, there are a number of settings, namely the choice of satellite itself, the frequency, the polarization, the compression standard, the symbol rate, the forward error correction, and a few other settings. You can manually enter these details into the satellite TV box, but just like terrestrial digital TV, it's much easier to simply set the satellite box to auto-scan all the received frequencies. It will then scan across all the frequencies, record which ones have TV or radio signals on them, and make them available for you to choose on your remote as TV channel 1, 2, etc. or radio channel 1, 2, etc. In part 1, I discussed and demonstrated setting up a dish that was directed at a single satellite. But what do you do if you want to watch TV signals on other satellites? One obvious solution is to have multiple satellite dishes and LNBs, and you can buy a switch which will go in line with your satellite receiving box, which will allow you to switch between different LNBs. If you only want to receive signals from two satellites, and they're not far apart in the sky, you can put multiple LNBs on the one dish, and then switch between them. I've seen a number of KU band dishes with multiple LNBs. It's quite a compact solution and has no moving parts. Another solution, and one familiar to most amateurs, is to use an antenna rotator. A commercial satellite TV rotator will automatically adjust the azimuth, elevation and polarization tilt of the satellite dish LNBF combination. If you go down this road, I recommend getting a professional installation done as lining the dish is something of an art.
For maximum results, you could combine an antenna rotator with a dual polarization, combine C-band and KU-band LNB on a relatively large dish, for example, a 2.4 meter mesh dish. This would give you literally thousands of TV signals to watch at home, although most would be in foreign languages. The price of satellite equipment has come down in recent years, so a professionally installed system of this type is not prohibitively expensive. Also, once the system is installed and aligned, the switching from satellite to satellite is automatic. The DISEC-C protocol allows for switching between polarizations and for steering antenna rotators. Once the satellite TV box knows where a particular satellite is and has scanned all the TV signals on the satellite, it will record the details of azimuth, elevation, etc., and associate these with particular TV channels. When you select a particular TV channel on your remote, the satellite TV box will move the rotator to the satellite that has that channel on it and then go to the appropriate TV frequency for that channel. The final aspect of satellite TV that I'd like to cover today is satellite feeds. The satellites that transmit satellite TV to homes are also used to provide video links from place to place or city to city. For example, a reporter in Bali might be interviewed by a current affairs host back in Australia using a video and audio link provided by satellite. Many of the satellite feeds are unencrypted and often they continue to transmit video and audio both before and after an interview during commercial breaks, when setting up, and when hosts are being replaced. Needless to say, many priceless bits of TV can be seen when people think they're not being transmitted on terrestrial TV, but the satellite feed is still running. Also, these feeds can often provide access to sporting events only available interstate or on pay TV. However, there's no set schedule for these feeds and you periodically need to scan all the frequencies on your satellite TV box to find them. Viewers will also report them on online forums such as www.vetrun.com. That finishes up our review of satellite television. As I said earlier, the eclectic nature of the station's broadcast, the large number of TV and radio stations, and the international nature of the stations makes satellite TV a 21st century equivalent to shortwave radio. You can and will spend hours tuning around looking at the wide variety of material there. Much of this material is available on the internet, also through streaming services. However, the quality of the satellite TV picture can be significantly better than that usually found on the internet. You know, if you shop around or, or hunt around on the satellite there, are you considered a DXer? Uh, yeah, I've heard the term sat DXer used before, so um, I, I guess you are. Cool. Well, we appreciate that. You know, it's been years since I've uh, tuned around on video satellites, and, and we've talked about it before. And it sounds like you still have a lot of fun with it down there. Oh, oh I do, although uh, I'm just using a, uh, a single dish with a single LNB at the moment. But um, one day, if I've got a bit of a spare cash, I'd be very tempted to go and... Uh, get myself a, a full-blown um, uh, antenna rotator with a, a, dual, uh, a dual feed, that is L, uh, KU and C-band, because um, that would give a really, in practical terms, at least 20 English-speaking channels. Tommy, have you got an email for us tonight? 
It's from uh, KF4MGU. Captain Timothy Robinson <clears throat> says, uh, Tommy, I see that you've had a Yesu FT-857 and the ICOM IC-7100. Have you done anything with the Yesu FT-991? I don't really have anything now beyond the HT and would like to have my shack set up by the end of summer. Just wondering about your thoughts. And uh, while we've been fortunate enough to play around with a lot of the ICOM rigs, uh, I have very little um, experience with the Yesus outside of my 857D, as far as HF anyway. <clears throat> and I've tried I've tried some of the other Yesu handy talkies and uh, two meter seventy centimeter rigs, but unfortunately, I uh, haven't really had had much experience with the the HF ones. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Uh, hey, George. Yes, email. I um, happen to have uh, the uh, Yesus eight, I mean nine ninety one here in the shack with me, and I've used it for uh, HF, VHF, UHF, and uh, even the new modes, the fusion uh, setups with a touchscreen, and it's it's a really nice rig. It was an upgrade to my uh, eight ninety seven. Mm-hmm. D in the shack, and I've been using it ever since. You're coming from the 857 or the 897, very functional. So you will be sending the 9100 to me? Uh, no. In <laughs> fact, uh, we'll have to get one on your side so we can communicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't do uh, um, D- HF D Star here. Tommy can, but uh, my my D Star is limited to VHF and UHF and internet i want to get with you and, and try some of that stuff out too emil yeah absolutely let's do it we uh i think there's all the infrastructure in the world between us we just have to do it discover dstar this season and operate over the internet gateway through repeaters Uplink your local repeater, downlink from a remote repeater, and enjoy clear audio as you communicate with friends across the globe. Choose from five fun color options with the ID51A+. This D-Star Dual Binder features integrated GPS, free downloadable RSMS1A Android app, near-me repeater function for D-Star as well as analog repeaters, and it's available in classic black, sunset orange, passion pink, ultraviolet, and lime. If you're just starting out in D-Star, check out the ID-880H. Features include VHF, UHF, dual band functionality, one band at a time, good menu structure and easy programming, and fast multiple scanning for maximum reception. Interested in hands-free D-Star operation? Hit the road with the ID5100A. This radio offers optional Bluetooth capability, large backlit screen for high contrast viewing, and 50 watts of output power on both VHF and UHF. Limited shack space? No problem. The IC7100 base station is a great compact D-Star option. It covers HF, 6 meters, VHF, and UHF. An angle control head and touchscreen for quick intuitive operation, large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's D-Star radios. So we got one more video tonight, and email set it up for us. All right. Um, you know, occasionally I walk through the uh, neighborhood here, 
and also I'll go park the car somewhere and then walk away from the, the, the truck for a distance. And uh, I decided to take m- one of my uh, mobile rigs here that's capable of crossband repeating and uh, set up a remote uh, link for my portable. And uh, that's what this video is about, George. Okay, well, let's take a look at that. Hello, George and Tommy. On this episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes, I'm going to talk about using my Baofang and an Oshan mobile rig with crossband repeater for a mobile relay or portable relay and link. As you can see, I have the portable or handy talkie set to a frequency within the simplex portion of the uh, 70 centimeter band. And on the mobile rig, I have on the right-hand side of the radio and VFO, I have the same frequency programmed in and a repeater, a local repeater here on the other side of the radio. It is in cross-band repeat mode. The portable handheld unit is also programmed to put out the DCS code that matches the uh, crossband repeater on the mobile rig. On the left hand side of this radio it is programmed as you would for normal repeater operation for a local uh, VHF repeater in this case and on the other side it is programmed to um, listen for a uh, valid carrier with the proper DCS code as indicated here and it is also indicating that it is in crossband repeat mode. The antenna itself is just a simple disc cone antenna. This one's an ICOM that's uh, good enough for receiving <clears throat> transmitting within our neighborhood here. Only at 25 feet high. When you key up their handheld K5QKR portable as you can see it then keys up the uh, crossband repeater via its setup on the uh, radio and re- repeater side for the local repeater that it's set for on the left hand side. We've been doing crossband repeating here for, I don't know, uh, 20 plus years. It's just, it's second nature to me. Tommy and I have used it so much. As a matter of fact, we were using it right before the show tonight, weren't we? Uh, you probably were. Yeah, I was. I was uh, uh, trying to talk I'm to you. Andy uh, to the oh, yeah. right here. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, at least 20 feet away from the rig. You know, I needed a repeater. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> one one of the things I know I like about it is, you know, with the the mobile at my ham shack or the QTH, you know, I've walked three miles away um, with houses and trees in the way in the distance. You know, with that, even with the discount only twenty five feet up, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does a great job um, on the lowest possible power settings on my HT. So instead of trying to hit the uh, repeater direct that might be 30 miles away from me, um, you know, it's it's a good way to extend your portables around your local area. Oh, definitely. Yeah, cross-band repeating is a way to go. If you're looking at a dual-band rig, I'd suggest that you check and make sure that it says it's dual watch or can do cross-band repeat. It's it's a little more expensive than some of the bottom-of-the-line rigs, but it, it's a very worthwhile feature. I've used it a lot, like you say, walking. I've used it from the mobile a lot, you know, to give me um, extra coverage from the mobile. It's, it's just, um, you know, one of those great features of dual-band rigs that, hey, you should be taking advantage of. Well, we're almost out of time here tonight. We do want to talk about a couple of things before we go, though. And um, we usually talk about the best-dressed hams here at the Ham Fest. And where where can we find that, um, you know, the the wardrobe that we need? Man, you can get all get clothes for almost any occasion at <laughs> amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, and and you will be the best-dressed ham at the Ham Fest for sure. Yeah, I, I like the way you said that with the straight face. No one saw your straight face there when when you were saying it, but you know, it's the only one I have. Yeah, <laughs> they've seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, check out the Amateur Logic Show our store. Uh, get get your t-shirts, your hats, your sweatshirts, your polo shirts. That about covers it, doesn't it? Uh, that about covers it. There's some uh, those cool. Uh, Ham College sweatshirts like Mike yeah. sent us at Christmas are there. Uh, so there's Ham College swag there as well as Amateur Logic swag. Cool. Uh, speaking of Ham College, you know, we've been getting, um, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of emails about that show now. You know, there's uh, so many people have gotten licensed and, and then written us and said, hey, you know, I got got my license. We watched Ham College and, and you know, got inspired to study and and, and get into the hobby, and that's a great thing. Yeah, I get them as well. It's uh, it's great to read that stuff. Uh, anyway, like, I like hearing the success stories from it. It kind of makes it worthwhile. That's the whole reason we sat down and started doing that show anyway. Yeah, it's not because of uh, all the, the spare time that we had. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> we can push a couple more people over the edge and make them hams, uh, then uh, it's a success. Yeah, we've done my, our job. My favorite... My favorite part is the uh, the incorrect buzzer. Yes. You know, that hadn't gone off recently. I'm going to have to quit giving Tommy the <laughs> questions in advance. <laughs> you know, I, I usually get them because I'm the one who's, who's typing them in and getting them ready for the show. But, um, you know, there's a few things on that technician exam that it doesn't matter that you, you know, you're an extra or you've been a hound for over 20 years. There's a few things on there you might miss that, you know, if you didn't, you didn't oh, yeah. look over it. There's a few things that are kind of tough on there, and some of them you, you can't reason out. You just have to memorize them. And uh, if you've been an extra, if you're an extra and you've been ham for a long time, just like I said in that little uh, PSA spot or whatever, it's not really a PSA, but yeah. uh, ham college promo spot, it's, it's really easy to kind of let some of that stuff slip your mind. So it's a yeah. good refresher for everybody. Yeah, it sure is. Tommy, any final words before we go tonight? 
No, it was uh, fun as always. Uh, uh, looking forward to the next one. Um, anyway, I think I'm going to go in here and take some medicine, pile up in the bed, and get well. Yeah, uh, good luck with the flu there. I'm glad you kept it over at your house. Yeah, I'm sure. My, um, I'm sure my wife's not too glad. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> she was just as soon you stayed in Dallas probably this yeah, week. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Peter, what about you? Me? Um, well, uh, two things. First of all, the Derby's on tonight, uh, which I'm going to at uh, Amy Park, Melbourne City versus Melbourne Victory. Go City. Uh, the other thing was um, I, I would just mention, oh, by the way, uh, get well, Tommy, uh, soon. The other thing I was going to mention, though, uh, was a Facebook post that I put on about something I'd seen called the Uncun- Uncanny Valley, uh, which is a sort of or like a video or photography term which uh, talks about an effect whereby the closer something gets to reality, at a certain point, it's, it, it starts being less appealing and actually can, vault, uh, can result in a certain degree of revulsion. It's actually, um, it's an interesting topic. So if you get a chance, go look that up, uh, The Uncanny Valley. It's uh, quite an interesting psychological thing to read about. Yeah, I read about it uh, on Wikipedia, and they're talking about robots mostly there. That Oh, yes, uh, yeah. yeah. In other words, that's really where it all started. Basically, yeah. as you make a robot more and more human-like, right, mm-hmm. if it's you start off something that's less human-like, like R2-D2, quite appealing, no problems, people really like that. But when you start to get in, and like the Japanese do, and start to produce almost human, you know, just with slight obvious uh, differences, uh, as you get closer and closer to um, being real, uh, looking really like a human, there's some psychological effect that it starts to get creepy. And that's what they're really on about. I think it is just creepy, whether it's psychological or not. (laughs) It looks creepy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, Emil, what about you? Any parting words tonight? Well, I'll follow the same, say hope Tommy gets well soon. And I think our uh, flu over IP filters are working good because I'm still feeling okay at the yeah. moment. And, um, you know, uh, next next time uh, I have a, a special uh, award for you guys that I'm going to present. So uh, maybe we'll uh, uh, see what that's all about uh, on the next, the next time. So 73 is everybody, and thanks, uh, you guys, for everything yeah. you all do. Uh, 73 email it's good to see you yeah 73 uh email and, yeah, peter tommy and to the audience there thanks for being with us tonight another fun show although it was a bit challenging with some of the technical difficulties we had this week uh boy they were all last minute stuff too yeah it seems to have uh worked out though i did get an email for saying that the site's supposedly back up but it doesn't seem to be back up so you yeah. have to dig into that a little more. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, seventy-three, everyone. We'll uh, we'll see you next month.
and uh, there are just literally thousands of them. So you can, you can eat African, you can be, eat various European, Asian, you can have anything you want, and it's all cheap. Uh, not being accountable, I've never eaten African or European or Asian. <laughs> <laughs>